Good morning. For scripture reading, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Read the entire chapter. As you turn there, as a child, I was always imagining what it would really literally look like if you acted out this passage, literally. Your ears would be hurting, right? Every time that a situation in your own life or somewhere else, well, love would not be found. And the passage would, would literally be acted literally out. So I'll just challenge you as we read this, if it helps you to close your eyes and listen to the passage, that's fine. If not, I'll follow along as we hear God's word. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have the prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, but is is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a, thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been known fully, fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Our sermon text again this Sunday is 1 John uh, chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, and through chapter 5, verse 5. And I will read that at this time. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. Excuse me, at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins." 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the word of God. Last Sunday, we considered this same text, and as a bit of an introductory, we considered what what does it mean that God loves? And I attempted in that to say that it's, it's not just God's personal love for you, but that God has loved humanity in creation. He's loved humanity in the giving of the law, and he's loved humanity primarily in the sending of Jesus as the Messiah. This Sunday, we want to consider, so what about us? Because it's fairly clear in this passage in multiple places that he says that God is love, but he, right beside it, says that because God is love, we ought to love. And so if I'm going to reduce this down to one simple sentence, I would say that those who know God love like him. Those who know God love like him. And that's our two primary points. We're going to think about what does knowing God have to do with love? And then what does it mean to love like him? One of our problems, uh, as has been mentioned before, is that this word love can mean and indicate a number of different things. And at risk of, of putting a, uh, a tune worm in your ears, um, let's have a, a little bit of understanding of what our world considers to be love. 
And a, a song that came to mind for me is the Beatles, All You Need Is Love. And I'm sorry for the tune worm that's now in your ear, okay? But let's, let's think of the lyrics here a little bit. In the verse, he says, There's nothing you can do that can't be done, nothing you can sing that can't be sung, nothing you can say but you can learn how to play the game, nothing you can make that can't be made, no one you can save that can't be saved, nothing you can do but you can learn how to be you in time. There's nothing you can know that isn't known, nothing you can see that isn't shown. There's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. It's easy. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love, love, love is all you need. Now, think about the statements that he's making there. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. There's nothing you can say that anyone else couldn't say. There's no way you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. In other words, what he's saying, there are no rules. There's nothing solid. There's no intention. There's no purpose. There's no demand in love. All you need is this thing called love. As we consider our passage, the Bible says something very, very different about love. Love isn't this merely ethereal version of goodwill towards all men. It's not this kind of blind acceptance of everyone, where they are, how they are, how they think, how they behave. The Bible says something very different about love. And the first thing it says is that God is love. It's not that God is that it's not that love is God, but that God is love. It's a very, very different thing in those two statements. And so, first of all, let's consider what does it mean that those who know God love like him? Warren Wearsby says, if we are united to God through faith in Christ, we share in his nature. And since his nature is love, love is the test of the reality of our spiritual life. If we are united to God, that is what we want to consider now. What does it mean to know God? If if we're going to have to figure out how to love like him, we'd better know him and understand him. And in this passage, we see that the primary effect of being close to God is that we become like him. We see that in verse 7. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows him. We see two different things. Has been born of him and knows him. If we love like God, if his character brings forth his love out of our actions, then Scripture says we have been born of him and that we know him. And to be born of God seems to indicate that we have become a member of his family. We have become a relative of God. Now, we have these statements among ourselves. He's just like his dad. She is just like her mom. 
And when we say that, we're saying that there's something about you, there's something in your nature that's particularly about you that's like your parents. But it's not in a decisive, it's not like the child at two-year-old says, okay, I have a choice here. Do I want to be like mom or like dad? Or do I not want to be like them and I want to be like someone else? No, it's not in those sorts of things. It's in, it's in the way you walk. It's in the way you hold your head. It's in the voice tone that you use. It's in the texture and the accent of your talking. These are not things that a child sits down and says, okay, I like the way he said that. I'm going to say it like that too. It's just in their nature because they're born of their parents. And God says in the same way, if you have been born of God, there's something within your DNA that changes. There's something within your nature that changes. And that now you begin to display the qualities of God's love. But it's not just DNA. It's not just about being born of God. It's also about being known or knowing God. It's also presence. Again, the language we see in that statement has been born of God and knows God. This know indicates an intimate knowing that seeks to be close and seeks to understand in a more full and deep way. As you know, the the word know within Scripture means something far more deep than just awareness. You interact with people and you say something and go, I know, I know, I know, I know. When somebody's saying that, they're not saying a deep I know. It's more of an awareness. Like, hey, you're not saying anything I don't know as well. But is our knowing of God merely an awareness? Or is it the language he uses here? We see this in verse 16. He who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Those who know God, those who abide in God, those who are present with God. In this way, God reveals himself more deeply and more fully as his children abide in his presence. And so, there is within children a a DNA effect of their parents. But there's also a presence effect. Your character, your inclinations, your desires, the things you love will only be transmitted to your children as they spend time with you and learn to appreciate those loves and join in those loves. And again, we could probably pull all of the children in this room and ask them what their dad loves, what their mom loves, and they're going to know that, and generally they're going to love it too. It has that way of influence in the same way. If we spend time with God, if we abide with Him, if we know Him deeply, 
then more and more his character is going to be born and come to fruition in us. And so, one of our primary purposes as a church is to be entering the presence of God every Sunday together and seeking to know God, seeking to abide together with him. And we ought to be doing this in our individual ways. If we don't abide with God throughout the week, I think that should raise some questions in our mind. But our primary purpose of gathering as a church is to learn to know God together, to learn to worship Him, to learn to be with Him. In this way, we don't become like God by simply studying the Bible as an instruction manual. John 5 says, You have searched the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So we could, we could make much of Scripture, and we could spend a lot of time in Scripture and not see Christ, and not abide with Christ. You cannot come to him by defining love. And so we cannot look at love and say, okay, love means I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, and then we put on that jacket, and that's how we attempt to live. The love that God speaks about is something that flows from his character, from his nature, from this. And for us, it's the same way. This love flows from a nature that's been redeemed and transformed by Christ and grows deeper and deeper as we abide with him. And we cannot love our neighbor by merely deciding what it looks like and then strategizing to do it. Now, we are actually to do all three of those things. They are part of the carrying out of the nature of Christ. We, we do come to the Scripture to say, how ought I love? We do come to Scripture to say, how does God define love? And it is good and right for us to take the instructions of Scripture and strategize how we're going to bring them out. But if we don't do them from a position of abiding with God... Then, they, then they're not, and they do nothing for us. And again, remember uh, the passage that Conrad read. There's, you know, we can do many, many things, but if they don't come from a love that is abiding and present with Christ, it's just noise, and it's just problems. And so the primary evidence that we are with God is that we become like him. And there's a real sense, and that's the way it is with, with every relationship that we have. In the last number of months, I've been driving a different car. And it has this weird thing where if you're in the car and it's locked, and you pull the handle to open the door once, that doesn't open the door, that just unlocks it. And then you pull it again to open the door. So I've been driving this car for about three months, and I now go get into my truck, which is not that way, and I grab the door, and I go, whoop, whoop, and I grab it twice, because what I've been with, what I've abided in, has now shaped me, and that is the way it is with Christ. That is the way it is with each other, and so if we are with God, 
If we are abiding with God, then we will become like him and we will love like him. And so, secondly, we want to consider that those who know God love like him. In verse 7, we see first an appeal. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. But it gets stronger in verse 20. We see a negative statement. He who does not love his brother cannot love God. And then we see further description in verse in chapter 5, verse 2. We love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. And so we have this direct appeal that we should love each other. That if we are truly children of God, we will look like God and we will obey his commandments and we will love like him. And in fact, if we don't, if we don't love each other, we deny Christ. We deny God as our Lord. And so what does that love look like? And how can we tell? What is the nature of godly love born out among us? Verse 9 says that the love of God is made manifest to us. It is something that is knowable. It's not an ethereal, in the present, in the moment. It's something that we can consider and we can know and we can seek to obey. In the same way, if the love of God is within us, it will be made manifest to those around us and they will see it in particular ways. And so this love is like unto the love that God has for us. Because it really is as we become like God that we become loving like him. And so I'd like to think about it in the three terms that we used to consider the way God loved. I think we love each other in creation. God created us and all we see and we cannot create or we cannot create like god does out of nothing um, neither can we really conceive or comprehend the nature of god um, verse 12 indicates that we cannot see god but if we display and we live his love among each other there's a sense in which we create the presence of god in that loving community with each other, we begin to see God and see how he is. By living out the nature of love, God's presence is created among us. Verse 20 points to the opposite, that if we do not love God horizontally, we deny our vertical love Excuse me, if we do not love each other horizontally, we deny our vertical love to God above. And so it's in the, the things we create, in the things we pursue, in the things we apply our will and our passion toward. Are they bearing the image of God? And if they're bearing the image of God as we create them in our communities, we create in love. Secondly, we see that we love in commandment. Chapter 5, verse 2 and 3 
Obedience is a display of our love. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Loving God and obeying his ways are are equals. We tend to split those two. That somehow there's, there's law and there's obedience. But, but this verse joins them. To obey is to love. To love is to obey. To prefer the ways of God is to love Him. To prefer the ways of each other. To live in unity and in respect and obedience to each other is to love each other. Thirdly, we see that God loves in sacrifice. God ultimately showed his love by sacrificing his own son. And he asks the same of us. To sacrifice what is dear and valuable to us for the good and flourishing of others. In fact, for the salvation of others. We don't like sacrifice. We don't like to suffer. We don't like to put aside our own desires and wants and needs. I'm, I like to do what I like to do when I like to do it. And I, I think that's the same for all of us. But God displayed ultimately through Jesus Christ that the way of love is sacrifice. The way of love is to put others before ourselves. So in this this nature of God born in us, we should see in each other creation out of love. We should see obedience to God and respect for each other. And it should be common among us that we sacrifice, that we give of ourselves for the good of each other. I think those are the markers of what we see. And if we look at our lives and we don't see evidence of those, the answer to that that question isn't, well, I just need to love better. I just need to obey better. I just need to do better. See, this outpouring of love from us comes directly from our connection with Christ. And often the answer to the fact that I don't love, the ultimate answer is the fact that I have not been present with Christ and I have not abided in him and his nature is not rubbing off on me. Love is not a jacket we put on, but it's a nature that comes forth from inside. And so if you look at your life and and as all of us hopefully do and say, in these areas, I'm not very loving. In these areas, I'm simply unwilling to sacrifice. In these areas, I struggle to obey. Our answer is to be present with Christ, to have his nature again reborn, resurrected over and over in our hearts.
I think we also have the body of Christ. Confession and openness is is a huge part of this. Can you say to your brother or your sister, this is who I am? Can you lead me to Christ so that I may change, so that his love may be born in me? Let us pray. Father, this morning as we consider this passage, we are aware that the bar of loving like you is beyond us. And we each admit our own inability in that. Father, help us not to place our trust in the reformation of our loves, in our own abilities, in our own passions, in our own efforts. But may we place them as we abide with you. May we seek to know you in more and deeper ways. May we seek to bring your presence within our lives so that presence may permeate every part of us and change us into your image. Father, we know that as you saw the world in opposition to you, you sent your Son. We know that that same element exists in each of our hearts. You sent your Son into the darkness of our hearts to redeem us. Father, now I pray that each of us would um, be open to the critiquing of our hearts that this passage does. And that you would bring the presence of Christ into those places of darkness. And in your bringing light to them, would they bring forth your character of love. Do this in each of us, we pray through Christ. Amen. Let's have a song.